Welcome to the Plan Vision Podcast, where we share simple, straightforward investment and planning ideas for normal people. The description in this podcast is for informational purposes only. Do not construe this as personal tax, financial, or legal advice for your situation. Hey there, this is Mark Sorrell with the Plan Vision Podcast, and I'm delighted today to have Nick Macrina with me from Vanguard, and we're going to talk about target date funds. Now, I love target date funds. I have all my money in the 2045 target date fund, and I know that this is the maligned investments by the advisors and the bogleheads and all those types of folks, but I think they are absolutely fantastic investments. So, Nick is going to share with us a little more information about the target date funds. Hi, Nick. How are you? I'm well, Mark. Uh, Thanks for for having us. It's always a privilege, really, and a a pleasure talking with uh, advisors like yourself, but also hopefully this reaching a lot of our clients. So thanks for having us on. Great. So can you describe quickly before we go into the discussion of that, what your role is with Vanguard? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, I feel very privileged to, to have this role. And, and really, I think of it as a cheerleader, if you will, for Vanguard's views and insights in the marketplace, right? I mean, Vanguard is... Uh, such a large investment shop. You know, now at the end of October, we have uh, over $7.7 trillion in assets under management. Um, now, that's, of course, inclusive of target date assets. It's also inclusive of a lot of index and ETF assets, which a lot of clients know us for. But it's also uh, over a trillion dollars of active uh, assets as well. So a lot of insights in the marketplace and an economics team that's housed here at Vanguard that we're really tasked with listening to and then kind of turning around to our investors and our clients like yourself and and end clients and, and sharing that so they can make better investment decisions and, and build better portfolios. Okay, great. Well, let's move right into uh, my first question was, at this point, what what percentage of assets within the Vanguard total asset base you referred to are in target date funds. Yeah, it's 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 one of our largest franchises. It's um, just as of the end of October has now grown to over one point two trillion dollars of Vanguard assets. So a pretty okay. significant portion. Um, keep in mind that's about seven point seven trillion. So it's about about fifteen percent of our AUM. I, I think even more impressively is that that's actually over 50% of the target date assets in mutual funds uh, in the entire industry. So I see. It's, it's a testament really to, to how much investors, particularly retirees, are, are trusting Vanguard with assets. And would you know the <clears throat> distinction maybe of how the TDF lays out in your, in your asset base as far as <clears throat> the quantity that's in retirement plans or defined contribution plans as opposed to just retail investors. My assumption is that a lot of those assets are through employer-based plans. Yeah. And your, your assumption would be right. Um, but surprisingly, 20% are held outside uh, of retirement plans, which is always a number that when I first saw, I remember being, being quite taken by just because I figured all the assets were either in plans or qualified accounts. Yeah. Like a, like a rollover account. 
Um, but that's even even though it's a small number of our of the 1.2 trillion, the 20 percent, it's almost equally as in terms of, of investors voting in favor of Vanguard because that's such a discretionary decision versus a lot of times in plans it being a default mm-hmm. investment choice. Um, so it's it's a mix, but predominantly to your point, your assumption is correct. It's mostly in employer plans. Yeah, when I used to have my my business where I worked with small employer based retirement plans, <clears throat> we would use the Vanguard, <clears throat> excuse me, the Vanguard target date fund as the default choice. And I thought that was awesome. But it is nice mm-hmm. to hear that there's plenty of yeah. simpletons like myself that love using <laughs> the Vanguard target date fund. And myself. Oh, awesome. Well, two of us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so the <clears throat> the stock bond waiting. You know, mm-hmm. which makes up the target date fund. The target date fund is a fund that has an asset allocation model that changes over time. How is right. that glide path determined? Who are the the wizards that come up with that? <laughs> yeah, it's a, the wizards is, is is a great word because it is a f- sophisticated process. Despite the fact, if you were to chart it, it might look it lo- might look pretty simple. Um, but it's really built like many things at Vanguard off of pretty simple premises, right? The two things that that we really believe when we build this glide path is one is that the equity risk premium will continue to exist. And that's fancy language for when you're a younger investor, you want to own stocks because generally they return more than bonds. Now, over shorter term time periods, there might be more volatility, but over the life cycle of an investor, you want to have exposure um, to stocks. And that 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 component, that that duration or that time component is what we defer this trade-off between human and, and financial capital, right? And when we're young, we have a lot of human capital. And as we get older and we get closer to retiring, we have more financial capital, hopefully less maybe working years available. And we're going to wind down that allocation to stocks because again, it's the riskier component. It's the growth component of the portfolio because the goal's changing, right, right Mark? I mean, we when you're young, you want, you want to raise as much assets in that nest egg, the day you retire, it's not about growing that as much as it is. Let's make these assets now work for us, replace our income so we can live a life that that we really wanted to in retirement. And that winding down is, is what's called the shape of, of the glide path. So <clears throat> the actual allocation percentages change mm-hmm. over time, and maybe they begin to change more with more uh, with bigger changes, 45, 48, somewhere around there. And I think you and I had talked about this before that the actual percentages, though, the, the, I guess the appropriateness of those percentages, you, Vanguard uses a fair amount of research that you pull internally. Is that true? Uh, can yeah, you comment about where, what that research is and where do you get it? There's a really, there's, this is a really cool part of this, 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 these target date series. And I would say there's, Foremost, I would say the shape of the glide path is very modular and or not modular, but very, I would say, quantitative, right? In terms of the youngest investor, what we call phase one, will have 90% of their assets allocated in equities, right? Fairly, fairly aggressive. And they will have that until roughly age 40 when it will begin to wind down in a somewhat linear shape, not perfectly, um, to and what we call now through retirement. Now, the, the analytical portion of this is that real the shape in which from from forty until when you when we stop reducing or we we, we reduce we have the minimum amount of equities in, in the portfolio, which would be thirty percent. 
So going mm-hmm. 90 to 30 is all driven on an array of quantitative inputs, right? That's going to be things like, you know, population characteristics on one side. So think about savings rates, about, uh, spending in retirement, um, and then also asset class projections, right? What are our stock and bond projections? That's really kind of the numbers part of it. But okay. the really cool, the really cool part of this, this behavioral part, is when investors start drawing down from these accounts is typically what we find using our internal data about seven years after full retirement age 66. So we don't stop at 66 in terms of mm-hmm. de-risking. You'll still have some equities because you're not touching that money. It should still continue to grow. Um, and that's different okay. from, from some of our competitors in the marketplace. Yeah. So which leads me to my next question. That is, okay, so I was in, for example, an investor was in the 2020 target date fund. It's now 2021. That 2020 fund will be will stay as a 2020 fund for how long? And then what what ultimately happens to that fund? Right. So so if you're in a 2020 fund and you're you're hitting the the full retirement age at about seven years after, once it becomes that the 30 percent. In, in equities and 70% bonds, it will roll into what we call the income fund, which okay. is just really the final destination for the portfolio and, and where it will be static between the, the allocation okay. won't really change. All right. So eventually the the year drops off and it just becomes an income producing fund. Let's right. talk for a moment about how the asset allocation model is maintained. And we could just pick a, a, a fund, the 2040 fund. So mm-hmm. it has a target mix and it's going to strive to stay in that mix. How often is the fund rebalanced or brought back to its mix based upon market performance? Yeah, so we have a unique approach to rebalancing at, at Vanguard that's that's you know systemic to really all of our multi-asset funds or other than target date funds. And it's really with a goal of doing it as infrequently as possible, right? Because by having an allocation to stocks and bonds, the market should take care of some of that in in itself. And that's diversification. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, as we all know, sometimes it doesn't work perfectly and there is a need to rebalance. And that's why what we have is what we call dynamic rebalance. So if let's say the allocation is meant to be 60-40, we will let that band go about two, three percent away, which will trigger what we would call a review. And that's more or less saying, hey, portfolio managers, the allocation is a little off a of base. Would this be a good time to rebalance? And the reason why we do a review instead of a hard, you know, let's rebalance now mm-hmm. is because we can rebalance with just cash flows as well. Uh, and two, it might not be a great time to rebalance, right? We think of what happened in March of 2020 when a lot of the asset allocation models got out of whack. It was very expensive to trade both stocks and bonds, so it, it made sense to wait. Um, okay. If it does get to 5%, we will hard rebalance because at that point, the risk-return characteristics are changing, but it's a way that we can be prudent in, 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 in charging expenses because it's an expensive endeavor to, to rebalance a trillion dollars worth of assets. I see. Okay. Question that I have, which I think of myself as well, as I work with clients, They'll ask me, Mark, what is the right amount of international to have in a fund? And of course, that is just a debate that 
commentators, observers, investors can have, you know, the right amount. And I'm not, from my perspective, I'll tell my clients, it's really up to you. You can, nobody really knows what's going to happen in the future. Now, mm-hmm. at a personal level, I like the idea that I have a, what seems to me to be a fair amount overseas. I think it's mm-hmm. 30, 35% of my, in my TDF. Would it be safe to say, and correct me on, on maybe another way to characterize this, but a target date fund is a replication of the global stock and bond markets. Is that, if I were to use kind of a glib comment like that to an investor, would that be a good way to describe one of these investments? Yeah. If, if you came to Vanguard and, and you and bought a target date fund, you, what we, you would get is one that is fairly representative of the global market cap, right? So the stock allocation will be 60% in the US, 40% in in um, international markets. Technically, if you're to look at global market cap, there's a little bit more in international, but mm-hmm. 40% is a healthy weight and substantially more than most of our clients have in, in that marketplace. Um, and even with our bonds, you know, it's gonna be 70-30, 70% in the US, 30% internationally. The market cap there is probably a little bit more like 50-50, but this is also substantially more international exposure than than you would see most clients mm-hmm. have, and that's in a lot of target date funds. So yes, we're trying to replicate global the global market cap. We, we have about 90% coverage with our target date funds, and that goes back to the first principle of what's the most important thing when constructing um, a retirement tool to accumulate assets, and that's exposure to risk assets, right? It's not um, this asset should outperform that asset. It's just, a, it's just steady exposure. Yes. To, to global market cap. And, th- and that's why we've made a decision to, to own that type of exposure. Yep. How, how many holdings might your, the target date funds actually have? Yeah, that's another really, I, that's one of my favorite questions because it's, it's really this branding and this, this, this label that, that the target date series uses, which is outwardly straightforward, but inwardly sophisticated. And that's because they're tickers, right? Or they're they're simple. Mm-hmm. You, you look at the income fund or the twenty fifty fund, um, and it, it's really we talk about them as stocks and bonds. But there are twenty five sub asset classes that underlie these stock and bond holdings, which are inclusive of forty five countries and almost thirty thousand securities. So when we're talking about exposure to ninety percent of global market cap and diversification and that that risk premium, which is so important to accumulating wealth, we're really taking a quite a comprehensive approach. And, and that's that's really the, the sophisticated technical part of it, but and also the simplicity element of it as a, as a tool to use yeah. to accumulate assets. That is a feature that I like a lot in the sense that, and personally, this appeals to me, is I like the idea of essentially throwing myself in with just the broad capital markets around the world that if they don't do well the next 30 to I can accept that and we're probably going to have other issues to deal with anyway. So so I think that kind of diversification is very valuable. Right. With regards to the the construction of the more short-term target date funds, there's some tips in those right now. Do you know the cutoff point at which uh, the target date funds do not include tips? And it, it, would you view this as more of a temporary type of thing or are tips are typically always in 
the short term, uh, the shorter term target date funds? Yeah, I mean, tips, inflation, that's certainly the topic du jour of maybe the year 2021. But within target dates, it's, it's, it's been very evergreen. And the reason why tips are very important, um, particularly for retirees, more importantly, the accumulators, is because, again, that goal change, right? We're not trying to raise as much assets. We're trying to preserve purchasing power. And that's what tips are. They're, they're bonds that are adjusted for inflation. So as we get closer to retiring, we start introducing an allocation to tips. So you, it, you don't get an allocation to tips until you're about five years out, so say roughly 60 years old. And when you retire, that allocation to tips will be 30% of your bonds. So it's still not a, a large part, but the role of that, again, isn't as tactical as we talk about tips maybe in, in this year or as in protecting mm-hmm. against the surge in inflation as it is. The goal of a, a decumulator is protect purchasing power, and that's always going to be there. Okay. Um, so we use tips to, to do that. Sure. Okay. What do you think are the, if you were to talk with the team that manages the target date fund or the group, some of the challenges in managing the series of target date funds? Well, the challenges have been, I think, hurdled over a 30 or 40 year period. Um, I mean, if you talk to and some, some of the traders that have been with Vanguard really since the 80s are still on our equity income desk. And there was a time when over 90% of the volume was on two exchanges in the US, right? Versus now, there are, I believe, close to 30 exchanges that we trade on at Vanguard. There's 18 dark pools. There's, uh, you know, there, there's there's a lot of uh, block trading. It, it's a very sophisticated market now. But Vanguard grew at the same time as that market became more sophisticated. And yes, we have trillion dollar franchise like Target Date Series. We also trade a trillion dollar fund like the total stock market fund. Um, so that expertise of not just starting now and, do, and doing that because it is it has become complicated. There was a time when it was simple and actually the trader... <laughs> mentioned that when they started and 90% of the volume was on two exchanges that they they were they were trading stocks traded in teams, right? So you didn't know your 16th table versus now, of course, it's all electronic. And this this is just how much things have changed and how much mm-hmm. evolved. But Vanguard has been there with that, has grown there uh, with that. So in terms of challenges, I think we've gotten the best in terms of managing index assets, large index assets with the complexity because it we, we've been there the, the entire time. Sure. Okay. Great. So we've talked a little bit about the business that I work with, Nick, and I have a very large group of American expat clients, and we Mm -hmm. can help them set up portfolios. And we encourage simplicity, for example, a great mix, a great two ETF mix is the VT, the total world bond fund, and the BNDW, the total global uh, bond fund, or they could do a three fund mix with the VTI, the VXUS. But mm-hmm. these expats have a unique challenge in that they have to use a brokerage account for the most part, and they have to buy ETFs. I would love to be able to offer the TDF to them or have that available at some point. Do you see that on the horizon at all, that <clears throat> the target date fund might be available in an ETF, even though it just seems so counter into like, why do you need to trade an ETF? But of course, that was John Bogle, one of his comments. Why, why do we even need to have ETFs? These are long-term right. investments. So yeah, do yeah. you 
do you think that this might be something that would develop in the future or not really? Yeah, you, you bring up a really good point in terms of, and, and, and Mr. Bogle, like in terms, not like an ETS around what he would really worried him and about that would be the tradability of it, um, particularly in the 90s. But, you know, we've had other CEOs that really brought Vanguard ETS into, mm-hmm. into kind of the marketplace. And it wasn't about, we've looked at a lot of this in terms of how, how long investors hold a Vanguard uh, ETF versus the mutual fund. It's basically the same. Um, to your point, yours is unique, but we have a lot of examples with different firms that we work with in the U.S. where maybe they can't buy a mutual fund, but they can buy an ETF or vice versa. We want to make sure that all investors have, have a fair opportunity for investment success. We, we believe that we can do that with, with simple investments like target date series that are outwardly you know, simple but inwardly sophisticated, but also other ETFs. Um, so it isn't always just a trading thing. And yes, we're, we, it's something that has certainly been talked about. Okay. Um, I will say that launching ETFs is a difficult endeavor. I, there was probably more on the list, you know, pre-COVID than, than there is now in terms of what we see in the near-term future. But um, I, I wouldn't say uh, never, just given that the base mm-hmm. is predominantly qualified, but we do know that there is a base of non-qualified assets and and the fact that there is a big, large asset base already that it, it may make sense to do it. And it's certainly been something talked about, just mm-hmm. maybe not on, on the immediate horizon. And <clears throat> would your answer also be the same? <clears throat> maybe it would. I shouldn't assume this. For any of the other balanced funds, the balance index, the life strategy funds, those the time, if those were to be produced in an ETF, would they be around the same time as a, as a targeted fund? Or might there be a different track for those? It, it could. I mean, so for example, we launched a bond fund. We launched a bond fund this year, um, a standalone ETF that was replicated off a mutual fund. It was. It's a short-term bond fund that's been around for almost ten years. Now that, that took a long time, um, but in terms of the mechanics of it, it, it's it's doing exactly what you had said. It's it's giving the same exposure to investors who can't consume yeah. mutual fund. Could we do that down the road with more funds? Absolutely. Right. In the past, Vanguard, we, we patented this dual share class um, where the ETF was a share class of the mutual fund. And that's how we really achieve scale quickly in the ETF arena. Uh, you know, what we've done more recently has been more single fund launches, which I think is, you know, it's, it's good for the investor. It just takes a little bit more time. Sure. Okay. Um, so, so I think continue to see the ETFs being the preferable investment uh, vehicle because it's indifferent in terms of mutual fund, in terms of length of holding, but there is a logistics to, to yeah. getting it up to speed. Okay. So Nick, this is awesome. I really appreciate that you came on with us and hopefully this will convince more people to invest in target date funds. Thanks for your yeah, time. I, ho- I hope so. It's always a pleasure. I hope everybody has a great holiday season and uh, a good uh, start to the new year here as we kind of calendar. All right. Thanks, Nick. Bye-bye. All right. Take care now. Thank you for listening to the Plan Vision Podcast. Let us know if you have any questions or comments on the topics covered. 